to Guys 5 Movies. This is one of your co-hosts, Chris Gasper. This is Frank Pelican. You are listening to The Spin Chagrin, episode 35, and last week's category was Farmer Stories. So, mm. Frank, what did you come up with for this riveting category? So, the tale of the Farmer Story, Spin Chagrin, spans uh, two and a half movies, so... We'll talk about the half a movie first because it was the first one I tried to watch and then we'll do the other two. Um, one of which will be the Chagrin okay. Chagrin this, movie. This sounds as tedious as the life of a farmer so maybe it's uh, this experience. Two and a half movies. Go ahead. None of them really involve farming. They just all involve farms. Okay. Um, But are they farmer stories? Yeah. The, yeah. Sure. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> The stories about farms. Okay. So there's farmers on farms, right? So right. they're farmer stories. Sure. You just got to fucking suck it up because the only things I saw that were like actually about farming were documentaries about farming, and I didn't want to do that. <laughs> I came really close to watching one called like 18th Century Farm, uh-huh. which was a movie about these dudes who decided to live off the grid for a year, farming as if it were the 1800s, and it seemed incredibly soul crushing in its life affirming nature so i just decided not to not to even try last thing i'll say before you get started i'm really surprised with this category you didn't red flag me um oh, I, I, I probably would have hated anything involving farming well you would have had to watch three movies so you would have hated that right because i would have given you the one and then i would have told you on sunday yeah i couldn't finish this movie man and this is the other movie i watched right and then after I watched that movie, I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch one more. And then I did that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have forced you to watch the other one, but you would have had to watch the second one. Right. And you would have been. Anyway, we'll get to it. All right. So we were, I don't know, talking Friday night, doing the regular podcast. And I was looking at movies on Tubi. And I found this movie called Charlie's Farm, which is a 2014 Australian slasher film. Mm. Um, written and directed by this guy named Chris Sun. Uh, it's your stories, your typical, I don't know, slasher shit, which is four adventurous youths decide to go investigate this urban legend about this farm where cannibals lived and a bunch of people were killed. And they go out there to, you know, kind of try and scare themselves because the one guy's really into <clears throat> ghost hunter type shit. And they end up getting murdered. Um, mm-hmm. Spoiler alert, I did not get to anyone getting murdered. That's how bad this movie was. But, you know, I guess I kind of saw someone get murdered, but I also fell asleep like four times while I was watching it. So how far into that? Did you get, uh, who think? fucking knows? Seven hours, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it's 88 minutes long. <laughs> it's a terrible movie. It's it's number one. It stars Tara Reed, which oh. you would think by this point, in my life i would learn that if right. tara reed comes up as the principal actor in a film that i'm just i should skip it right but i thought what the hell you know i like australia i like outback horror so maybe i'll enjoy it but it's not true uh, there's this group of kids they're 20 somethings who have no personality and are awful people and uh, there's tara reed's character who's an american expat living in australia her boyfriend, who's the guy that's really into like ghost hunter type shit, 
and then his best friend whose defining characteristic is he has a huge penis Mm. and they call him donkey as a result and Mm. the majority of the film that he's in involves mentions of his huge penis or why they call him donkey um so tara reed's got a friend that she calls because donkey wants somebody to fuck when they're on this adventure so she comes with them they run afoul of some locals you get a flashback with bill mosley where he's charlie or no is he charlie he's charlie's dad uh, charlie's this little kid who's horribly scarred and is psychotic the dad bill mosley and the woman um they're cannibals and they murder people and bill mosley has a very rob zombie-esque monologue where he's talking to a girl that's tied up on a bed that he's apparently been raping Mm. and this is where i kind of sort of started to lose like interest in it right and then it showed a flashback of the night that that family got killed by the locals for being cannibals uh, which seems like it took way too long considering they'd murdered like 14 people or something at that point and eaten them okay um and then i fell asleep and then i woke up what seemed like two hours later and donkey dick and tag along girl were going skinny dipping and i said how the fuck are these people not dead yet because these are the two that should definitely be dead at this point and so i watched five more minutes and then there were two more actors that i had never seen before in the first part of the movie Uh that were exploring charlie's farm and i said fuck this movie i can't watch anymore i'm not going back to watch what i missed and i turned it off right then i was sort of sad you know for like a day and like what the fuck am i gonna do because this was on (laughs) saturday so sunday morning um, I go back in and I type in farm into Tubi again and I start looking and I find another movie and this is the actual spin chagrin movie it does not have a Wikipedia page which should tell you something about this film uh-huh. the biggest selling point to me for this movie is that it was 75 minutes long so barely an hour uh-huh. which is really important in a spin chagrin movie because it means if I'm going to be you know depressed and downtrodden at least it's not going to last all that long mm-hmm. so i've described movies like this before but this one truly meets this description where it was definitely some dude who had had some film school and had some aspirations to be a filmmaker and got a very little bit amount of money and was able to make a movie and release it and never did anything again right and that's this movie you know every yeah. shot feels like painstakingly crafted by somebody who's trying to visually emote certain things like sadness and loneliness and ennui and that's really all the movie's about mm-hmm. so it takes place in the zombie apocalypse mm-hmm. uh, which i'll give us some credit because it What's came it out called? In, it's called farm farm okay. or the farm but farm is how it is on mdib okay if you look up farm 2010 you'll um you'll all happen right. upon it Gotcha. I'd like to point out that none of the top cast has a picture on IMDb, which also should tell you something. This is the most spin chagrin chagrin movie like I could possibly imagine. I'm going to read you the storyline description, and this is from Anonymous. So the person that wrote this didn't even want to be bothered to get credit for writing it. And this describes the movie, and then I'll tell you about the movie, and then we'll get into the third one. Yeah. Charlie and his little brother Simon live a secluded life, feeding off the land and surviving on their own. The monotony of their lives remains unchanged, colon, day after day, month after month. Yet, 
Something keeps them from growing comfortable, from feeling safe. And all too soon, the nightmare brewing beneath the surface of their quiet farm life will erupt. For how can one survive the end of the world and expect their future to be bright? How can one there, how can one expect there be a future at all? So this is a plot synopsis. And actually, none of those things are really true. Yeah. So basically, and the real quick, since you're, since you're there, look at that cover art. Look at that cover. Is that cover art even real? Is that a real picture? Like, I don't think it's a real picture. I think it's like almost like. No, that's 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 the main character. Is that's, it? That's a it, scene. It from almost the... looks computer generated. Though. No, it's a scene from the movie. Okay. So Charlie is Jared Padalecki with no talent and less opportunity. Okay. And he's got his younger brother Simon, who's this. So the character Simon has one arm, which they put him in a sweater and then tied the arm of a sweater and then had him hold his arm down at the side. Because mm-hmm. you can clearly tell that there's like something underneath this giant sweater he's wearing. And spoiler alert, it's an arm because the actor has two arms. Mm. Because they show him in flashbacks with two arms. Anyway, so yeah. he's got a really badly scarred up um what side left side of his face where like He's missing an eye, and there's a bunch of scar tissue all over his face. And they live this life where Charlie goes down to the barn every day, and something's killing their chickens, and Simon's like, do you think it's them? And Charlie says, we don't talk about them. It's a fox, maybe a coyote, but it's not them. Uh, So then that goes on for a really long time, and Charlie makes a bunch of breakfast. And then at one point, like he's making eggs all the time, but he doesn't make he doesn't make scrambled eggs, right? It's really annoying the way he makes scrambled eggs. I was very <laughs> what he did cracks, he do? He cracks the eggs into a pan, yeah, and lets the yolk or lets the white start to harden, uh-huh. and then just like takes a spatula and starts to lackadaisically mix up the yolks. It's like the most fucked up scrambled egg method ever, and it would not produce good scrambled eggs. It would be shit. And maybe this is why Simon is so sad and not just because he's missing an arm and half a face. Because <laughs> Simon's a sad dude. We'll get into that. So this is maybe 20 minutes of the movie is them kind of living a life. And then one day, Charlie goes down to the barn. And when he comes out, there's a woman sitting there. And he says, hey, ma'am, um, are you all right? And she's like, oh, they're all gone. They're all gone and I'm alone. And he walks around, he looks at her and does this quick cut. And you can't tell like what part of her body it is, but it looks like a, like a gash or something on her. That's looks maybe infected. Hmm. And he says, it's okay. I'm going to get help. And then he walks behind her and he picks up a pipe and he beats her to death. And then it cuts to him burying her in the yard. Uh And he plants a makeshift cross and paints hope on it. So that's symbolic, I guess. But then maybe you find out later that her name really was Hope. So who knows? Maybe that's not symbolic. It's just, you know, sometimes hope is just hope, I guess. I don't so, understand anything that's going on now. Right. Okay, so yeah. then he he's, he's telling Simon, like, you know, we got to stay here. You know, we got to stay safe. And then one night, like, they get woken up. And all of a sudden, there's a chick in their house, like this lady. And... Charlie has a knife that he carries. So you know how like in war movies, like the badasses have um, a holster around their thigh that's got uh, like a bowie knife in it, like a honey knife that they can pull out and like kill someone with. 
Well, Charlie holsters yeah. his knife on his calf, like really far down below his knee, and it's always really difficult for him to pull the knife out because he's basically got to like squat to like reach down to grab it. So right. Not a very good survivalist. Mm-hmm. But he pulls out the knife, and then she's like, hold on, I'm not one of them, I'm okay. And then the brothers are like, yeah, you probably are, that's cool, why don't you come have dinner with us? And then they, they let her have dinner with them. And then it's just this really quiet scene of them eating, and then she falls asleep, and then you find out that... You don't even find that out yet. So, they had a sister, they talk about this. Let me tell you the, the conceit of this movie. Imagine you live in a world where when you talk, your voice cuts out every other thing around you in the universe. So you just keep saying things that might be plot, but really it's just words, while other people are trying to say things to you that would be considered dialogue, but you're not having any of that dialogue because you're just talking. And when you talk, you can't hear anything else. And that happens like 15 times in this movie. Where someone's staring like their thousand yard stare and they're like, I knew it would happen one day. I thought we could be safe. I thought I could save everyone. Is this his internal monologue? No, no, no. He's saying this out loud. Like he's speaking these words into the atmosphere. But when he speaks the words, his ears turn off because he can't do two things at once. So when other people are trying to have dialogue with him, (laughs) he's just saying things. And the things that he's saying, like he'll say, I thought I, I thought he would help because he was a doctor. And then the lady will be like, who is he? Who are we talking about? I thought we would be safe on the farm. <laughs> who is the guy we're talking about? Charlie, you got to tell me who he is. Yeah. I thought maybe we could make a run for it. But then it goes on. It's like really long. Okay, I got you. I know exactly. Yeah, that's just bad script writing. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. 40 minutes into the movie after this girl is there, Charlie's like, you know what? Change of plans. We're going to get in this truck that I have here. and We're going to drive into town and get supplies. And she's like, oh, I don't want to go into town. Town's no good. We got to stay here. He's like, no, we're going to town. No, I, I don't want to go to town. Don't make me go to town. I want to take take Simon with you. He's trying trying to throw the one arm one arm blind kid out or half blind kid. And then she gets in the truck and they drive to town. So when they get into town, there's nobody in town. And he pulls up and they pull up in front of the store. And he's like, this used to be the convenience store. And they go inside, and he said, I worked here once. <laughs> and she said, what? A summer, I worked here. I worked at this store. I stacked boxes in the back. I hated this job. I wanted to quit this job. Charlie, should we get canned goods? My dad told me not to quit this job. He told me to keep this job. He said, you'll never get anywhere in life if you quit. Charlie, should we get this? Should we get that? You know what? I quit this job. <laughs> my dad was mad i swear to god like that's legitimate dialogue in this movie i mean okay. i might be paraphrasing a little bit but that's okay I, w- I want to get the sense now so is it only her or is he does he do this to simon as well no simon does it too okay simon does it to him so maybe that's where he learned it from okay <laughs> but you just don't have conversations you just yeah simon's a sad sack like he's okay. always but i'll get to that point right. so they're in this convenience store and she goes like, oh, what's in this freezer? Now, mind you, there's been no power in this convenience store for years, presumably, because they don't really give you a timeline. But you, you assume it's been a couple of years just from some things they say. 
So this 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 dumb woman is going to open up a freezer where there was frozen stuff that's now probably like so rotted and disgusting. It's just like an infestation, probably of like bad smells and maggots, or they're right. not even maggots because they're probably all dead too. And he says, "Oh no, we locked some of them in there. Don't open the door." So then, of course, while they're rooting for perish or non-perishables, he says, "Make sure you get non-perishables." Mm-hmm. So it's good they know the lingo. Mm-hmm. While they're doing this, some zombies are there. So with very little effort, they manage to get past the zombies who don't really make much, you know, much ado about trying to bite them or anything. They're just kind of milling about and going. Mm-hmm. The zombie makeup is pretty decent though for um being a really low budget movie. Like whoever mm-hmm. did the makeup knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. So then they run away and they get back in the truck. But as they're going out, um this zombie tries she, she gets in the truck to drive and the zombie tries to get in the door and she can't get the window up fast enough but then you see point of view of her looking at the zombie's face and this knife comes through the front of it because charlie stabbed it through the back mm. so then charlie picks up the body of the thing and puts it in the back seat and she's like what are you doing we can't bring that with them and he's like and i'm gonna i'm not using the right name of this is the only name i can think of right now he's like this is mrs Akmonic." Like, I knew her. I got to take her with me. So then you find out that Charlie's got this fetish where if he kills a zombie, he's got to bury it. (laughs) So when they get back to the farm, you get this, like, pan and scan over to the right. And you see there's, like, 30 graves that you didn't see before. You didn't see any Mm -hmm, of them. mm -hmm. Even though there's plenty of, like, establishing shots outside the farm. and But but they've always been there. Well, I mean, because Charlie's been killing these zombies, man. He's keeping them safe. Yeah. So then all of a sudden there's this logic that they made they even though they were driving away in a vehicle and the zombies are all on foot, like the zombies can't drive trucks or anything. He's like, they know where we're going. They'll follow us soon. So then he says, We gotta leave in the morning. So even though he was completely opposed to leaving in the first place, because she wanted to leave before they went to town, and he told her, Nah, that's not a good idea. We're gonna stay here and make a life. But then all of a sudden, he's like, nah, we're not going to make a life. We're going to drive away somewhere else. And she's like, no, let's just stay here and make a life. He's like, nah, that's that's no bueno. Like, we got to drive to Chicago because they're in Illinois. Mm-hmm. And she's, well, Chicago's dead. And he's like, well, somewhere's got to be alive. Somebody's got to be fixing this shit, mm-hmm. which is probably not the right attitude to have in a zombie apocalypse. And eh, right. somebody's taking care of it. We'll just find them. <laughs> right. So then Simon, um, Simon and the girl have this conversation. What's this fucking girl's name? You think I remember the three, Sarah. So Simon and Sarah are having this conversation, and Simon tells the story about how uh, when his sister turned, Charlie had to kill her, and um, their father was supposedly a, was the doctor. That was like they find this car abandoned on the side of the road, and that's when Simon's like, or Charlie's like, he was a doctor. He was supposed to fix everything. He was a doctor. I thought he could do some good. Who are we talking about, Charlie? Who are you talking about? <laughs> Um, so anyway, so Simon is just morose and he tells Sarah, he's like, look, I know that Charlie wants to drive away, but I can't leave. I'm just going to stay here and let fate like have its way with me, mm. which doesn't make any sense because even though he's like missing half his face and an arm, he's not dead or anything. Like he could still go and live, but he just has given up, you know, and that's supposed to be, I guess, the because he's sad suck yeah. he's just no, you know, he's not even, he just got on weight like he's just bored i guess like because he can only look at on half a window at any given time and when he puts um they have this crt set up with a vhs and he puts in a tape marked christmas 
mm-hmm. and he looks at the Christmas where he got the sweater that he wears in every single scene in the movie because it's real baggy and he can tie the arm so he can put his arm down to his side and make it look like he's missing an arm. Right. <clears throat> you know, like he's 10. So, so the next morning they decide to go, but you know what happens? The zombies have found them. It's crazy. <laughs> so Charlie's outside with a gun because they have one gun and Charlie's shooting the zombies and he's like, God damn you bang god damn you bang god damn you bang but he's not shooting him in the head so they're just like getting up and stumbling at him again mm-hmm. so then he kind of gives up on that and him and sarah get in the car and he's like i gotta get simon and she's like he doesn't want to go and he's like no i gotta go back for simon and you look up in the window and simon's like looking down at him and waves and then all the zombies like grab him and like pull him down mm-hmm. like they're eating them and then charlie's like well i guess that's a done deal so he just gets in the truck and then they drive off and so the end of the movie is them driving down this empty highway and him saying, she said, where are we going to go? We're going to go where the people are. There are no people, Charlie. They're all dead. We might find some in the city. The cities are dead. <laughs> we might find someone in another town. Let's just keep driving. We got to find people somewhere because somebody's fixing this. And then end, end scene 75 minutes later. So, yeah. So again, there's some scenes in this movie that it's completely amateur production. It's shot completely on video. Yeah. It, the The performances are 100% amateur. It's one of those things where, you know, you watch a student film when you're in high school and you see somebody that has some knowledge about making movies or has watched a lot of movies and they have certain shots they set up where it's so painfully pretentious, but you can tell that oh, I'm going to shoot, I'm going to overexpose this shot of this white barn. Yeah. And when he walks out of it, it's like he's walking out of the mouth, this this pit of blackness, because that's what his his mind is in, is in this black space, right. and he's just surrounded by nothing. And it's like, right, I get it. Like, good good shot, buddy. Like, way to do that. And then that's every scene in this movie is shot like that. Like, it's all Dutch angles and fucking upward shots like this motherfucker thinks he's he's trying to create a highlight reel for himself to try to yeah but he didn't do anything else after it anyway so the sarah girl is probably the best performance in the whole movie and i ain't saying much because she's not like anything that voice did not sound pleasant so i well because she's she's trying to talk charlie charlie's just talking to himself like what are you gonna do you got to get shrill and annoying or else like no one's gonna listen to you (laughs) doesn't matter anyway because charlie never answers her questions right um i thought there was gonna be a twist where it's like she didn't ex- and just so charlie talking like she didn't exist or something like that and... no there's no twist in this movie this movie is very painfully to the point about everything anything that you think any the only the only saving grace i'll give it is that 2010 is the first year the walking dead is on mm-hmm. so you're not really in that whatever you want to call it like springtime for zombies era of like (laughs) the early 2010s right so they were kind of a little bit ahead but there's no attempt to explain why zombies exist oh so they do this thing this motif where when they go into the shop into the convenience store somebody has conveniently taped up newspaper clippings who are they? Where do they come from? How do we get rid of them? Hmm. And they're written by John Ramey and Bob Carpenter and uh, 
Sam Hooper and fuck, what's the other one? Anyway, they're all like famous sure. horror directors. And is it Ray? It's Ramey Hooper Carpenter. Fuck, who's the other one? There's four. I can't remember who the fourth one is. But it's like wah wah wah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's his little like nudge, like, hey, I like horror movies too, fella. Like you're you're watching somebody that's in the know, and yeah, you go fuck yourself. Um, so yeah, so that's that's this movie. So I was um, reading since you kind of shouted out the special effects. I started looking into it just a little bit. Um, really interesting story. It's a father and son team, um, and now father and son and daughter-in-law team. Um, Madison Strain and then Mike Strain Jr. and then his wife Lily. Um, just have this very small like looks like Illinois special effects company that do stuff for people. Um, They did some special effects work. Probably the most famous things they've done are You're Next with... um, Mm. I like that movie. Yeah. Mm. I I thought it was fun. Um, But in part, I thought it was fun because... Hold on. Is Your Next the one I'm thinking of? That's the one with What's Your Name. Um, Right. Oh no, that's not the one. No, your next is good. Your um, next is the one where they go to the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some crazy people have taken over the next the next door neighbor's house, but they're real isolated because they're rich. I there isn't is there one called like Next with Yvonne Stravansky? Um, that's like a stalker movie, like outside the house. Um, I think that's what I was thinking of. But next. yeah, your next your next is good. maybe. Um, your next is fantastic. That's yeah. um that's Adam Wingard directed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. And then they did um the framing device for VHS and um oh wow oh, that's 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 pretty cool. Yeah, so they 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 they've done some stuff like they seem to focus mostly, of course, in horror and um but just kind of take jobs where they need it. So it's a nice little like. Well, they do really good zombie makeup. Yeah, and they make really convincing scar tissue prosthetics because mm. the kid gen- genuinely looks um i don't know it's actually so one of the one of the central points of jonah hex if you're familiar mm-hmm. is the fact that half of his face is like horribly scarred yeah. from an attack by a demon mm-hmm. and this kid's m- special effect makeup looks much better than the jonah hex movies makeup mm-hmm. so nice that's the yeah. thing that i would say is maybe the saving grace of this movie that and the fact that it's only you know really with credits is like 71 minutes of your life that you have to spend watching this terrible shit so and it's not even terrible shit it's just there's nothing good about it it's very painful like very painfully uh what's the word i'm looking for It, it wants it's he wants so bad to make this movie that there's another movie that we've never talked about and we only have not ever had it on a podcast because it's really difficult to find although i think it's on youtube um it's called soft for digging okay and it's a low budget horror movie from o2 maybe or o3 but it's so effective like it's really really well done and very low budget and it's the same thing where every scene is meticulous in the way that it's set like you always feel like you're watching a movie if that makes sense Mm -hmm. and 
that's the issue with this movie but where soft for digging is really kind of compelling and has a really cool air of mystery to it i mean you know everything that's coming in this you know mm-hmm. the only thing that didn't happen that i thought would happen was i thought that uh simon would have a like a slow slow transformation thing maybe or something because mm-hmm. you find out at one point that charlie cut off simon's arm to stop the infection from spreading because he got bit okay that makes during an early during an early attack I forgot about that because who fucking cares about this movie? But but that's that's something that happens in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I thought that it was going to be him slowly turning, but really he's just you know, kind of a bitch and like I'm, I'm sad I don't have an arm and let, let the zombies eat me. So mm. I mean more power to you because it's less to haul in the truck that's got limited gas. Sure, that they're going to drive for what? I mean it's like the it's like an explorer or something. You ain't driving that for long. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Where are you getting gas from? But yeah, so that's uh, that's farm. All right, so what's the chagrin score on it? It's a seven. Yeah, yeah, that one up. Is this the same movie that you were texting Orion about? Where I said it was a five. Yeah, it's a seven because I just had to talk about it. So <laughs> when I didn't have to talk <laughs> about it, and I was just thinking about it, then it was a five because i just watched it and i could just be done with it yeah but now that i've had to kind of relive it and go through it in my head and try and put it together in my head um yeah it's it's definitely a seven so in your head you know what and it's appropriate because just like the cranberry song it's about zombies (laughs) right right and through some very preliminary research let me just say I think we're the only podcast that has ever talked about the farm. So, well, I hope we give them some, you know, some notoriety. Maybe some people will go to Tubi yeah. and say, "Hey, I got right. seventy minutes to kill to watch a movie that Frank said was not very enjoyable to watch." And but I had good fuck, special effects. Fuck like Frank. Madison he Shane. doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Like I'm watching zombie movies. I like zombies. Yeah. And then I hope you're fucking sad afterwards you motherfuckers you should have listened to me uh i do that shit all the time though you tell me something's bad and it's like um fucking catnip like i can't i can't help yeah. myself but then i tell you something's good and you don't ever go and watch it um, this movie i told you to watch and we realized the other day that it's been on your to watch list for like months and you never watched it do you remember what that was killing of a sacred deer you never watched that? No. no. God damn it. It's a good, it's a good um, movie. You should watch I, it. I, yeah. Um, you also never watched the uh, We Need to Talk About Kevin movie. Is that what it's called? We Need to Talk About Kevin? I can never remember the name of that movie. Yeah, well, um, I recommended. So I watched a movie tonight that I thought was really good called You Are Not My Mother, which is currently streaming on Hulu. And I texted Chris and I said, hey, if you have some time, you should put this on your watch list. I really enjoyed it. And he said, I have a lot of trouble watching movies that have mothers in them. No, I said, or they're prominently feature mothers. Yeah. Sorry. In horror movies specifically. And then your further qualifiers, folk horror Mm -hmm. and Ireland, like those, those didn't help, but I'll watch it. Anyway, for anyone listening, if you would like to watch a good folk horror movie, that's a real slow burn. Oh, some fantastic performances. You are not my mother on Hulu. Very much worth watching. I'll watch it. 
So let's segue that into movie number three that I watched. Because oh, right. I can't help myself. So yeah. we've been having some good run of luck with the Disney Channel, Disney Plus, in, in getting movies for the spin chagrin. Mm-hmm. So I said to myself, like, let me find some movie on the Disney Channel that's about farms. So I typed in farm and Disney Plus, and it came back with some things. Some of which I didn't want to watch, but the one thing that I decided to watch was the 2014 CGI animated movie Ferdinand, starring the voice talents of John Cena. Hmm. Uh, who else in this fucking movie? Kate McKinnon, uh, some hmm. other people. Mm-hmm. No, 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 it's fine. It's fine. I mean, she plays exactly what you'd expect. She's a goat. Uh,. Peyton Manning is in it. Anthony Anderson is in it. Uh, David Tennant is in it. Hmm. Um, there's somebody else that I knew. Well, it doesn't matter. Those people are in it. Oh, Jeremy Sisto, uh, which is a weird little cameo. That is. I haven't. That's a name I have not heard for a long time. <clears throat> Weren't we just talking about Jeremy Sisto? Because I asked you, like, what is he doing? He told me he's on some television show now and i probably is probably by the time yeah he he's on one of like the law and orders or something like that something some bullshit yeah he was but then it's like when i looked it up it's like that stopped in like 17 i don't who knows was it by the end of the podcast (laughs) i mean uh i think we talked about it on the zoom one night because i made some snide joke about jeremy sisto Oh, yeah, and then and, I got obsessive about looking him yeah. up. Yeah. All right, so what's going on with Ferdinand? So Ferdinand is an adaptation of a children's book from the 60s, I guess, Ferdinand mm. the Bull. Okay. Uh, it's it's going to be real hard to talk about because I don't really care about it. Yeah. And even though I watched the whole thing, I was uh, nonplussed the entire time, I would say. Mm. So the basic story is that Ferdinand's a bull He's a little kid at the start of the movie, and he's on this bull farm called uh, La Casa del Toros, and La Casa del Toros raises bulls to go be bullfighting bulls in Madrid, right? So, little Ferdinand, uh, he's all about smelling flowers and dancing. Like, he don't care about no bullfight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all the other, like, little bulls that are there. And for some reason, let me, let me me say this. There are no cows on La Casa del Toro, only bulls and baby bulls that are all dudes. So I don't know where these baby bulls are coming from, but they're all there with their dads. Actually, I just thought of something. I just thought of something. So at one point I'll, I'll, I'll get there. Okay. Hold on. So all the kids make fun of Ferdinand. Ferdinand doesn't care because he just likes to smell the flowers. There's this one bull, Valiente, whose dad is this big, tough bull. Uh, and he makes fun of Ferdinand all the time. Ferdinand's like, whatever, I just got to be myself. Uh, so Ferdinand's dad gets picked to go be the next big bullfighting bull hmm. and gets killed <laughs> by, by the matador. So he never comes back. So Ferdinand kind of depressed. Okay. So then Ferdinand realizes, like, I can't, I can't live in this, this fucking shit world anymore. 
so I'm going to run away. So <laughs> Ferdinand escapes and he flees across the country to go live with this little girl and her dad. Okay. And they take care of him. So they're taking Ferdinand in. Um, even though he's a bull and he just shows up on their doorstep, it's like a cat, I guess, or something. It's like, nah, we'll take it. So cut maybe 10 years in the future or so. Now Ferdinand is this giant strapping bull who is still just like smelling flowers and dancing around and living this good life on this farm. See, they're on a farm. Mm-hmm. with with this father and his daughter so one day how does this happen they go to town one day and ferdinand gets stung in his ass by a bee hmm. and then goes crazy and starts knocking everything over and destroying things because he is a gigantic full-grown bull now right and the police arrest him and take him back to La Casa del Toro, where all of his old yard mates are all grown up. So he's by far the biggest bull. Uh, but Valiente is still a bully, which there's actually a joke made like you put the bull in bully or something like that. There's a lot of supposed jokes in this movie, and only one of which I laughed at. And I can't remember what it was now. <laughs> So, oh, I do remember what it was. Hold on, I'll, I'll get to that. But that's a million years from now. Oh, Jesus. Okay. So, so Ferdinand's like, holy shit, I got to escape. So there's this goat on the farm, and that's the Kate McKinnon character. And she's like, no, man, like, you got to stay. Like, nobody escapes from La Casa del Toro. I'm going to teach you how to be the best bull that ever lived. So you can go be a fighting bull somewhere. And he's like, I don't want to fight. I'm a pacifist. They never use the word pacifist, but he is a pacifist. Mm-hmm. So things happen, and there's some hedgehogs that Ferdinand makes friends with, and that comes into play a little later. Uh, and they're kind of rapscallions that steal things on the farm, and all the other bulls hate them, but Ferdinand makes friends with them because Ferdinand's all about inclusion. Yeah. So it turns out that El Primero who's the best bullfighter in the land and is the greatest bullfighter of all time. He comes to La Casa del Toro and he says, Hey, I want to pick the bull to be my last bull that I fight in my last bullfight ever. And they're like, cool. But then Ferdinand won't do anything and all the other bulls suck. So El Primero is like, uh, you better get me a bull from out of here or else I'm going to be pissed off. And I might go somewhere else and find another bull. Hmm. I'll give you two days. So, there's some horses that live next door and they're uh, Swedish okay. and they're very or German. I don't know. There's some kind of Eastern European like party boy. They kind of talk like Alex Wright from WCW okay, or like Hans and Franz kind of, you mm-hmm. know, uh, but they're very effeminate and they prance and all they do is dance. I didn't mean for that to rhyme. Uh, and then they make fun of the bulls because they're bulls and they're ungraceful and ugly. Uh, so then at some point, the bulls and the horses have a dance-off, and the bulls are, like, breakdancing and stuff and yeah. playing music, and then they get the better of the horses, and then the horses are all mad because the bulls beat them at their own game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Ferdinand says, like, look, I got to escape, and then the hedgehogs are like, well, cool, we'll show you how to escape because you were nicest to us, or you were nice to us and everybody else is mean to us, so then they show them how to escape. 
and he has escaped and he's outside the front of the house and there's all kinds of slapsticks and shenanigans right and then he's out the door and he's like no i can't leave without everyone else and so he goes back in and everyone else who over the course of the past 20 minutes of the movie even though they were really mean to him when he first got there they've now befriended him and everybody likes ferdinand um he's like hey come on let's go and they're like yeah we'll go with you and he's like no i mean everyone and then valiente's like no i'm gonna stay here so you find out at one point that if you don't make it as a bull like if you they don't think they can use you as a uh, a stud bull or a going why well, not even a stud bull because there's no sex in this movie because obviously it's a disney movie mm-hmm. there's not even the implication of sex Instead, there's the implication that if you fuck up and you can't be a good fighting bull, they send you up the road to the chop house where they chop you up into pieces and eat oh, you. Awesome. Right. So that's America. Well, it's in Spain. By, well, it's an American movie. Right. I'm just uh, saying violence is fine, sex is not. So Valiente is not going to go, but then him and Ferdinand fight each other. And Ferdinand knocks off his horn. And Valiente's like, oh, my life is over because now I can't be a fighting bull because I only have one horn. So he goes to the chop house and then Ferdinand goes and rescues him. And they find out that the one bull that got sent to the chop house earlier so they can introduce the idea of the chop house has just been hanging out there waiting to get like chopped up, even though it's been days. Mm-hmm. So I guess they got, you know, either too much going on or nothing going on and they just can't be bothered at the chop house there's no people there uh so ferdinand and ferdinand goes to rescue valiente and then they hear uh hugo i think is the name of the bull and then they go and rescue him and there's like some more wacky slapstick involving conveyor belts and tenderizers and saw blades literally the least safe and least efficient slaughterhouse ever because Mm -hmm. you got to go through a rube goldberg machine to like get yourself cut up if you're a (laughs) pig and all you got to do is either get lucky or just make a bunch of funny noises and you get away right so then they go back down and they save everybody and they escape and the way they escape is they steal a car so some of the bulls get in the 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 cow catcher like the the car compartment and then the hedgehogs and ferdinand and the goat they drive the car and even though they're all animals they figure out how to drive the car pretty quick and they do so successfully by taking a bunch of humans who actually are trained to drive a car that's made for them to ride Uh uh, they get away and they get away through madrid and then they have this big chase and then you think they've gotten away for good but then all of a sudden the people see them like oh let's go get those bulls and then they're in a train yard because ferdinand's like oh i know the train rides right past where the farm that i lived on was before and that's where we got to go and so they're all pushing this flatbed car and one by one everybody's jumping up on top of the flatbed car because they're getting away and then valiente and ferdinand are the last two pushing and ferdinand's valiente's like get up there and ferdinand's like no i'm the one they want you need to go and then i'll jump up and then you know what happens what the flatbed car connects to a train and gets pulled away and ferdinand's left behind and he gets captured no oh, jeez, it's tense right so Finally, now he's going to go back and fight El Primero at the uh, 
the big arena in Madrid. So he goes and the, the goat is still with him for some reason. And mm-hmm. he goes and they're like, Oh, well, um, you're going to have to fight El Primero. And he's like, nah, dude, I don't want to fight. And the goat's like, at this point in your life, you're going to have to fight. So he goes out and El Primero comes out and he's, you know, your traditional, like typical Spanish matador. And he's just sitting there looking at him and there's like tension. Like they're looking at each other like, oh, what's going to happen? And then a bunch of people come out and they start trying to poke Ferdinand and, you know, get a prod him. Like, you know, get into action, buddy. Like go fight, go fight El Primero. Mm-hmm. And Ferdinand refuses to do it. And finally he gets stabbed in the butt with the spear and this is where this comes back into play because then Ferdinand goes crazy mm-hmm. but what happens is Ferdinand runs at the matador and takes his matador like cape whatever you call it, like the toro 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 like Olay thing the red cape thing whatever he takes it and he starts being the bullfighter to the matador who's running at him and he keeps like Olaying him so the matador yeah, he, he's going crazy and the crowd's like all laughing at him and like ah what a what a sucker uh-huh uh so Ferdinand makes a fool of the matador then the matador has swords and then the matador is holding the swords up like cat a corner to his head like their horns and charging at Ferdinand and Ferdinand keeps getting the better of him so the matador is like all ashamed and embarrassed so then the matador takes the sword and he's like swinging it and he manages to hit Ferdinand in the shoulder. Uh, the hawk, I guess, or whatever. Uh, and then Ferdinand goes crazy. He's like, and he takes hawk. his horns and he sticks them in the matador's like epaulets and lifts them up. And the matador is like, oh man, I'm going to die. And Ferdinand puts him down and kneels down and bows his head. And the matador pulls his sword like he's going to stab him. And the audience is like, no, let him live, let him live. And so then the matter, the matter was like, yeah, cool. We let you live. Then all of a sudden, all the other bulls are there and everybody's happy. And Valiente is like, well, flower bull, you really showed us. And then they all get to go to the farm and live happily ever after. So the one thing that made me laugh is at one point when they're driving the car mm-hmm. to get away from the people, they're in bumper to bumper traffic in Madrid. And this dude is sitting there just like kind of bebopping in his little his little uh, um, compact car. And he looks up and Valiente looks down at him. And Valiente's like, mind your business. And the guy just puts his arm in the car and like rolls up his window. <laughs> and it's like, number one, if there's this like probably like six, seven hundred pound bull looking at you, rolling up that window ain't doing shit. Right. <laughs> right. But right. it's just like, it's just, it, 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 it's the interaction and the animated effect of like the guy just like slowly turning his head away while like the window is rolling up, like he's not making eye contact anymore. Um, it just it it made me laugh in spite of myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, we both like that kind of humor though, where it's like we both like the idea of what's the what's the generalization of this? We like the idea of like the comical overreaction to a threat mm-hmm. it's also an underreaction because it's like <laughs> right 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 the fuck are you doing like he's rolling up this window again do you know good but um i don't know i mean it's it's it was absurd and i like absurdity in my movies yeah um 
So what's the, sh- let me what's the chagrin score on this movie? It's like a four. I mean, it's I'm because, shitting on it, but I'm an adult and it's not meant for me. Like the voice acting is all really good in it. Cena, I I think Cena is maybe the biggest discovery of the past 15 years or past like 12 years post WWE. Like just everything he does, he's got great comedic timing. He's very likable. He's a good actor. It's just everything. Every time I experience anything with Cena, I'm always impressed by. Him. And let me just say, he's got he has more depth than Dwayne does. Even oh though, yeah, like like there are scenes in the Peacemaker with him where he shows so much range compared to Rocky. You know what it is? He never had the eyebrow. That's what it is. Right. Rocky Johnson, he has the eyebrow, or Dwayne Johnson had the eyebrow, and that's all he ever had to do. So now every time he wants to show emotion, eyebrow, eyebrow right. this way. Yeah, mm-hmm. Perplexed eyebrow, angry eyebrow, sultry yeah. eyebrow. Cena ain't got that. Cena got to act. Right. Uh, and yeah. he's fine. Like it's, yeah. it's voice acting, but I can really appreciate good voice acting, and I think he does a good job. Um, McKinnon is fine. She has, you know, she reminded me of is, um, who is it? Degenerous that plays Dory. Is that right? Mm-hmm. In Finding Nemo, yeah. it, it reminded me of that. Like it's a very similar performance. She has the no other... personality of her own, so she has to mimic others. So that makes sense, and it works. It's fine. Uh, and just the rest of it, it's just it's fine. Like it, it's very much a movie that if it came out when Frankie was seven or eight, I would have taken him to. We would have laughed a few times. He would have really enjoyed it, which would have made me enjoy it more. And it would have been fine. I would have been okay with it. There's nothing offensive. There's one offensive thing about it. And this is a thing that really bothers me a lot. So the movie is set in Spain, you know, Mm -hmm. and they speak Spanish in Spain. So sometimes people speak Spanish in this movie and sometimes they don't. And there's absolutely no reason why it happens or doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. It just does. And so... Sometimes I'm going to be like, Madre Dios. I mean, I can speak Spanish. I ain't doing that shit now. But it's something similar to that. And Mm -hmm. then sometimes it's just a really thick Spanish accent. And then sometimes there ain't no accent at all. People are just, you know, just speaking some English. Mm -hmm. So that really bothers me when a movie does that. Like, I think there was some criticism of this, but. That Chernobyl TV series, they just spoke English, you know? Right. Nobody was saying, like... Well, it's not just a consistency, at least. Yeah, like, Bolse Moy, or... Right, yeah, sure. Dos Vadania, or whatever. Right, I mean, yeah. I don't know fucking any Russian, for sure. But they, they didn't do that. They just they stuck to it. You know, yeah. like, either give me a movie that's subtitled, or mm-hmm. just speak in the language you want to film the movie in, and... I can just pretend like it's fucking, you know, whatever, the language that it's supposed to be. Sure. See, that was more painful to listen to, to me, than The Farm was. I don't know if that's my bias against animated films or what it is, but, like, that was a struggle. Like, you should have, like, I feel like you could have punished, like, I feel like you punished me. (laughs) Um, And I feel like... (laughs) You could have picked that movie and made me watch it, and I would be I'd be really angry, um, having had watched it. You would not have enjoyed this movie. This is not one of the animated films that I would tell you to watch because it appeals to adults. This 
so the hedgehogs are named uno dos cuatro right yeah and the first thing is ferdinand says what happened to trace and the one hedgehog goes eh, we don't speak about trace and then they like make the sign of the cross and bow their heads mm-hmm. the reason they're called this i swear to god is there's the dinin, 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 uno dos tres cuatro do you know that song no anyway it's a song i think it's pitbull or something okay but they they play that song at one point during like an action scene mm-hmm. so they can like so the hedgehogs can dance and like dance to uno dos and then bow their heads to trace and then dancing into quattro and i swear that's the only reason they're called that is so they could do that to that song um wow yeah it, it, <laughs> it's a movie made for children man like and it's probably not fair for me to well, it doesn't matter ain't nobody listening to this as a child and if you are then i don't know don't don't go watch ferdinand because you're probably too mature for it anyway <laughs> uh, but whatever you know yeah it's it's done by blue ocean i think is the name of the animation studio mm. uh blue something i closed the the tab already Blue Sky. Uh, Blue Sky are the people that did um, Ice Age. Oh, okay. So it's to me a much like a poorer version of Pixar in the sense that I don't feel like there's as much polish to it. And I don't think they capture facial emotion as well as Pixar does. Mm. So you got that, you know, and it's fine but it's just not as good like it really feels like like there's a certain level that i'll give you a movie that's not pixar but it's a good example over the hedge movie i really enjoyed i thought was really funny had some really good comedic bits to it and a good story and good animation and really did a good job of taking the anthropomorphic animal facial expressions and stuff and making them effective you know and there's movies that are a step below that and honestly you know stuff like from this blue sky studios they're a step below like they're not as good as um right as pixar is uh, capturing it so so just so you know i'm i can almost guarantee this jeremy sisto being a voice in this because he does the voice of the father that dies pretty early yeah um that's because of anthony anderson I bet you any amount of money because they were together on Law and Order. Um, really? Yeah, like they were the detectives together, like during that run of the Sisto run on Law and Order. So I bet you any amount of money Anthony Anderson got cast, and like they were looking for somebody. He's like, hey, um, he literally has like two lines of dialogue. So it's yeah, sure, but irrelevant. How much money is that for two lines of dialogue in a big budget, like? This had a hundred and eleven million dollar budget. I mean, what did he get? Oh, coming in hundred grand. One day? <laughs> Probably. I mean, like, um. So yeah, um. Sure, it's just an easy payday. Um. All right. So, I would much prefer to watch the farm. I'll tell you right now. I go watch the farm. If you made me go watch one of these movies right now, I go watch the farm without a doubt. 
Well, go watch it. <laughs> no, I don't. You you did this to yourself. <laughs> I don't need to watch these movies unless you read Carbon. So. Well, we'll see what happens after you spin this goddamn wheel. Okay, let's spin it. Start the smoke. You and this damn conceit of this price is right wheel. I swear. Oh. There's another nice segue. A movie that involves pro wrestling. Alright, I'm gonna red card you. Oh. Okay. That's fine. I'm looking forward to this one probably. It involves pro wrestling how? It has a pro wrestler in it? No, no, no. It, I, I think it, is the, it involves pro wrestling, meaning that the movie involves pro wrestling in some way. You know, there's a pretty terrible movie that I've never seen. Really? I, I don't know. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't want to spoil it. I was going to ask you. Like, I, I Maybe I guessed it. But, um, but yeah. I mean, yeah, even that, like, whatever, I'll watch it. Um, I'm going to give myself a day to think about it. Yeah, because even if it's the one I'm thinking of, um, I probably get to talk shit on Dwayne a bit more um, in some way, so. Um, <clears throat> all right, so a movie that involves pro wrestling. So, man, we're getting down to the nitty gritty here, Frank, with this wheel. There's not a lot left. Well, there's one movie for you to watch. There is. Is this the third red card or the second? Second. Second, that's it. Mm-hmm. What'd you have, three or four? I thought I only had three. Okay. All right. That's fine. All right, so movie that involves pro wrestling next week. Um, we are now complete farmer stories with this almost trifecta of the farm ferdinand and charlie charlie's farm is that what it was charlie's farm yeah charlie's farm might want to lead with ferdinand oh ferdinand's as much as like i i would be annoyed by that movie um ferdinand works out really well in terms of tagging shit so (laughs) thank you uh i can tag disney plus in it i can tag ferdinand i can tag cena um, because there's hardly anything to tag other than uh, for for the farm. So there's another wrestling connection. Nathan Jones was in Charlie's Farm. Yeah, Nathan Jones is ex-professional wrestler. So Kane Hodder's in it too. I saw that. Yeah. Um, they were just gone all out. All right. Anything else you want to talk about before we finish? You feel you covered enough with your two and a half movies? Yeah, I think I'm good. Okay. I can't think. I that was the shitty thing is that I had something I wanted to bring up when I was at work today. I was thinking about it, <clears throat> and in the course of my day, I completely forgot. So yeah. Um, like I said, I have a I have a a list of things that I've been like developing in case we don't have things to talk about. But I think you've done your done your duty tonight by covering all these movies so two and a half movies two and a half movies um 
So let me ask you. All right. So let's 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 get some definition because we haven't had a red card since I made you watch. What was my red card for you? I don't remember. Because there was on a there was like this unofficial red card where it's like you still need to really watch this even though it's not red card. Yeah, that was way of the gun. Right. And then, but there was an actual red card. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with your movie, and I think I know what movie it's gonna be. But what if I watch other movies? Can I red card you to the other movie too? Are you tied to watch every? Movie I think I have you to watch? have to make a final decision by the night before we do the podcast. And you have to tell me, I think, I don't think you get to make me watch five movies. Like, I think, like, that, like, as you, like, pick and choose, I think, like, you have to make a final decision. This is the Spinach Grin movie, and this is the one that you watch. So, if you watch ten movies from, from now until the next podcast, you have to make a final decision. This is the one that is the Spinach Grin movie that gets listed, like, for the podcast um, as the official movie, and that's the one that I watch. So I have to tell you by next Monday night what movie you have to watch? Yes. So I can watch like four movies and just make you watch the worst one out of those four and just say that that's... Oh, yeah, I think that's I think that's absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I okay. mean, you, you just get to tell me what the Spinach Grin movie is. So um, I won't need to... I mean, you, you might have a journey as we've defined it, but it's like... Um, yeah, I mean, like, whatever you tell me this Ben Chagrin movie is, like, that's it. Um, what was that movie? Um, I'm going through the list here, and it's like, I cannot find Master of the World. Mm. That was a good one, because, yeah, I did not like that movie. <laughs> that was a good red card. <clears throat> so, yeah. Um... And then I am saving, because remember, there's a reverse Uno clause in the red card by the end of this year, which is, you have to pit, like, when you, so it's going to be the third one, whatever you red card me on, I get the reverse Uno if I choose to, and we have to do a watch along of it once you choose what it is. Okay. (laughs) I mean, I got to watch it anyway. You're fucking me, buddy. Well, you're gonna you're gonna red card whatever the third red card is now because I'm not I'm not gonna use it right now. Um, I think it's funnier to let you watch like fifteen pro wrestling movies and pick the worst one. So, <laughs> so all right, so I'm gonna be really interested in like what you come up with for this because you are going to watch a lot of bad movies. I think um, I'm at least gonna watch two. <laughs> All right. What, so what, the first one is a forty-seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. That's not the worst. That's not the worst. Well, it's the first I said, not the worst. Okay. Yeah. The other one is much worse. Do you know how many forty-seven percent movies you made me watch over the years now? Um, none. They're all hundred <laughs> percent. In your heart. All right. Oh um, my God, dude. <laughs> oh man. Dude, there's tons of shit on Tubi. When I was like texting you guys like last night about like there's all these like pro wrestling like documentaries and stuff. Like when I typed in like wrestling in the Tubi, there's like real movies that like have to do with wrestling too. So it's like there's all there's so much shit out there among streaming services that are like low budget even that involve pro wrestling. It's it, uh, there's a lot of bad shit. 
more than you probably think. Or less than you know. All right, we'll 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 talk off air because I really got some good ideas. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good week. Deuces.